Gobble, gobble. We hope everyone had a happy Thanksgiving. We've got a Black Friday special edition of the Friday 15. Both NCAA cross-country champions Whitney Orton and Connor Mance of BYU will join us. Whitney became the first BYU woman to win the individual crown and captured her first NCAA title last Saturday. She was followed up by Connor, who defended his NCAA title. And for the first time since 1988 and second time ever, the NCAA individual champions were from the same school, Brigham Young University. Whitney and Connor aren't sitting on their laurels. Whitney may be going for a sub-15 5K next week, and Connor may be going after the American record in the half marathon as well. But before you listen, you need to treat yourself on Black Friday to the perfect gift for runners. It's called therunnerbox.com. For as little as 28 bucks, this subscription service sends you a box filled of goodies handpicked for runners. And each box is worth over 50 bucks. You can get some great stuff. They got nutritionists on staff. I will be opening the holiday box on Wednesday's regular podcast, so look forward to that. And for a limited time only, Let's Run listeners save $10. There's a link in the show notes. Click on that. Get the runnerbox.com for yourself or someone else. Perfect gift for runners. And normally, people, this Friday 15 podcast is for Let's Run.com supporters club members only. But hey, we're thankful for everyone who comes to Let's Run.com, so we made this one available to everyone. If you want to join, we got a Black Friday special for you. You can get 25% off memberships. If you join for a year, you get a free Let's Run.com t-shirt. You can save 20% on running shoes. You can follow posters on the message board. You get all the Let's Run content, and you support independent running journalism. Check it out. Link in the show notes. Use code CLUB25 to save 25% off. All right, here are your two NCAA cross-country American champions, Whitney Orton and Connor Mance. Welcome, everyone, to an NCAA Champions edition of the Let's Run.com Track Talk podcast. We're very lucky to be joined on this by the two most recent NCAA cross-country champions, both from Brigham Young University, Connor Mance and Whitney Orton. And first of all, we're starting with Whitney. If you watched the race on Saturday, you saw it. She won the Women's 6K Champs in 1925.4. Her first national title in her last race is BYU Cougar, and she's now joining us live on the Let's Run, well, not live if you're listening to this, but live as we record this on the Let's Run.com Track Talk podcast. Whitney, thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me, guys. Our pleasure. I'm curious. You're sipping on, looks like a smoothie there or something. It's currently Tuesday morning, so three days after NCAAs, and you said you had a workout here. Your season's not over. I would think you get a break after NCAA cross, but you're still working out, huh? Yep. Yep, we just got to keep going, you know? <laughs> um, we're going to go to Boston and run, run on the indoor heat next, next weekend, so just dragging it on a little bit, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's become a popular strategy. But you don't have, you're not running indoor track for BYU, so why are you going out there to get a time? Just kind of capitalizing on the fitness. I love to do that because I'm like, we work so hard in the season and then you just take a break and you're like, oh, you know, like I like to just like have have a good like track race 
Yeah, yeah, that's great. And you already have a pretty fast PR at fifteen twelve. So do you have like a do you have a time in mind you're shooting for? Um, I am honestly just. I would love to PR, of course. That's always like in mind. If that's like if it's there that day, then I would love to do that. But I'm not exactly sure what it's like being paced out at or anything. So I know that I'm racing with Court, um, Courtney Wayman, and a lot of my other teammates. So. I think we're just going to try and get them some good times, good qualifiers, hopefully for nationals. So, I think you deserve a special rabbit. I want to see a one four in front of your name. That would be incredible. <laughs> one day, one day we'll get that. We'll see when that is. Well, that's indoor track. We were here to talk about the cross country exploits, though. Obviously, you know, huge congrats for your win. On Saturday, and I guess I want to start with this. Diljeet Taylor, she very famously writes all of her athletes' handwritten notes before every single race. I'm curious if you, you know, do you mind sharing what she wrote to you in this before this race, your final race for BYU? Yeah, it was a very long, long little note. It's kind of cool because we like to do little things for her every year too. She does the notes every race, but we just thought it would be nice to do. Um, do a note for her as well this year just like kind of like replicate what she does to us for this race and it was kind of cool to read it because she said a lot of the same things that I said to her in my note it was just kind of like thank you for helping me grow type of a thing like we both feel like we've just grown so much just through like being together these last six years so I don't know there was a lot there was a lot of things but that was something that stood out for sure just like it was, it's a big, it was a big day, you know, it was the last race being under her, running for her, for BYU. So that, yeah, the note was special. And that was just one little special thing that was said for sure. Yeah. Does, does it feel weird now? I mean, you said six years at BYU and that's the last time you'll wear the, the blue and white singlet. How does it feel? How does that feel right now? I think that it will hit me more when I'm like not in Provo anymore and I'm not seeing them still like every day. Or like, I don't know exactly what will happen, but I think that it will hit me more, but it's still, it still is like, it's crazy, you know, like it's such a big chapter after college to just be done. <laughs> but um, it feels, it feels good. It was a really perfect way for me to end the, end my college career. So I'm very grateful. Take us back to, to Saturday morning when you wake up. I mean, Obviously, everybody dreams of winning an NCAA title. You're extremely talented. You never won one on the track or in cross country. When you woke up, were you nervous, confident, both? What 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 was going through your head? Both, of course. You got to have some nerves. You know, it wouldn't be a race if you didn't have some nerves. Um, it's crazy how you just feel so much different, but before every race, I don't think I've ever felt exactly the same before a race. And it's kind of cool because you just got to like adapt and go with it. But this one, like. I was, I felt so calm, like this whole week, I was feeling like very calm, which was really nice. Cause I just know like all the work we put in, I know, like, I don't know. It's just, it was, I know it was going to, I knew it was going to be a special day. Cause I already decided that I was going to give my absolute best that day. So like, after, because I already decided that I felt very calm. I think that was a big reason. And this was, you know, it was not a, straightforward path for you to get to this NCAA title. You'd had some setbacks during your time 
And I know last year coming in, you know, you'd only been running on solid ground for four weeks. Can you talk about, you know, dating back to when you first got to college, like what are the sort of the serious challenges? What are the injuries you've had to overcome? Can you give us a timeline? Yeah, there's been so many. Yeah, there's been so, so many. I'm not even sure how many injuries I've had. I know that I've, it's kind of just been like my nature to just get injured and then pop back really fast and just like try and qualify for things. Like I've always kind of had like the, the short notice before like championships and things. So um trying to think exact timeline. Of course, um, last, last track season was a big, like it was a very disappointing and very hard way to end my season with like the goals that I had, because I've had, I've had high goals for years, you know, like I've been in the running, at least I put myself in the races for the last three years to win. So just, I think missing those goals time after time and like continuing to show up and continuing to like stay committed um, made this one really special. I don't know if that answers your question. There's just so many ups and downs. I'm like, I don't know if I could say all of them, but they're definitely a lot. Let's just go from March, 2021. So when you get 17th and NCAA cross to, uh, to Saturday, because in that you've even got ups and downs in between that because you run 15, 12 outdoors, a big personal best for the 5k, but then NCAAs, you don't make the final in the 1500. You're only 18th in the 5,000. What went wrong at that meet for you? There was just a lot. There was a lot like emotionally, mentally, like where I was at, like where I was going. I think I was focusing a lot on like, I was trying to stay present. I really was doing my best, but I had a lot, just a lot going on. Like being newly married, that's a big adjustment as well. You know, it was, it was great. It was the perfect time to do it. And I have no regrets with like the timing of it, but it still is like an adjustment to like combine with such intense um, goals and dreams, you know, to combine all those things at once. I think that it was just a lot loading on top of me and I just felt very heavy. And I, um, I also just, I think that it was the way that it was supposed to go. After seeing like what my teammates did, I think that like I, I really believe that it was like their time to just really, you know, do some great things. So I don't know if that answers your question at all. Yeah, if it's, it's sort of like, you know, it sounds like it was maybe a little more personal that you don't want to totally go into the It was pretty personal. Yeah, it was a lot. Just so many things, you know, but. Well, it's kind of interesting to me because if it wasn't for COVID, I guess at that indoors, when was that 20? Yeah. I mean, you, you were kind of the favorite heading into that and then it's taken away. But when I look at your stats and I, I, by the way, in our prediction contest, I picked you as the individual winner on Saturday because I was reading J- John, t- Jonathan talked to Dil Jeed and just, they the quote seemed confident to me. But when I go through your TFRS results page, it's not like you've ever really, at least in terms of the final finish, have been close to winning. I think your highest NCAA finish on the track or cross country was seventh. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. So <laughs> you certainly made up for all those, the angst of <laughs> five plus years with a bang. Mm-hmm. When you win, you cross the line. I mean, can you describe the emotions? Like, is it pure joy? Or then do you realize, wait, the team's not winning? Take me through like the, the, 
that. I imagine there was a little bit of a roller coaster there. But it, it seemed like everybody – well, take me through that. It seemed like your team was so happy for you. Maybe that sort of helped mitigate the, the team disappointment. Yeah. It wasn't like looking back on it. It wasn't a team disappointment at all because of like what they did in that race. Like it was pretty incredible, like where they started out. Cause like I got out great and I got like a, a good start. I, I wasn't really being thrown around in there, but like they kind of got a terrible start to the race and what they made up in that race was, was pretty impressive looking back. Like they fought really hard for what they did. And, um, Anyway, NC uh, <laughs> State really showed up. And I don't think – I think it would have been very, very hard to get them anyway. Like, they just – five in the top 25 is pretty incredible. So, what we did, we don't I, – I have absolutely, like, no doubts that they could have done better. Because, of course, that first start is very important. But I don't – I think there's, like, some fire from it. But I think they're – I think they're – they're not like overly disappointed. I think we're happy as a team with how we finish. So. Yeah. One of the things I know you said off your race individually was that this season you and Diljeet took a different approach to workouts that you, you weren't going dark anymore. You weren't pushing, you know, real to the, really to the edge in training and that helped keep you healthy. What I'd like to know is, how did this approach come about? Did you suggest it to her? Did she tell it to you? When did that decision get made and what was your reaction when, I guess, if she pitched it to you when she first told you about it? So we kind of started doing it a little bit after indoor last year when Courtney and Olivia and all of those girls just really just did amazing. They had more of that approach. And me individually, I've always been just like a pusher, just like a grinder. Like that's just kind of who I've been and like kind of how I was brought into the sport was like, that's how you do it. You know, you just grind, you work real, like you give your best all the time. Um, so it kind of started after that and then we kept it going. But at, um, for last year's cross country, I couldn't take that approach because I was so behind. So I had to have my same gritty, like grindy approach. So then I went from like, I still had that approach, but then the whole team kind of switched a little bit. And then, yeah, just like coming back for outdoor track we started having that approach and we saw some success with like the 5k like the big pr and as well with a pr in the 1500 so we knew that it worked and we saw it work with those other girls as well so we knew that it was um we knew that it worked but it was just like kind of ingrained in me to not do that so it was really hard to just like flip it like i'd have to like reevaluate and go with coach Taylor and be like okay like this is what we do. Like, this is how we do it. Like, this, this is how we're going to have success. Cause I'm like, I know how I've had any of my success in the past. It's been like pushing and being like, like working as hard as I can. And so it was kind of weird mentally to be like, I am not pushing my absolute hardest right now. Like I'm not giving it my best. Like how am I supposed to be my best if I'm not giving everything that I have, you know? So, but the results that we've seen have been, have been what we needed and I've stayed healthy and it's been very nice to have some solid training before races. So I believe, I believe in it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it paid off for sure. What was it like that middle stretch of the season between, you know, you race in September at Florida state and then you don't race again until the conference meet. What was it like watching your teammates go and compete and you were just so sort of staying at home, you're not able to race. Well, luckily they let me still come. I still got to be a part of it. 
and watch and like be involved. So that was nice. Um, I've kind of, she's kind of had me do that a lot throughout my college career. If anyone sits out a race, it's usually me. Um, just because I, I don't exactly, like I do, I like, I trust everything that she does for me. And I think it's because I struggle to just like hold back. That's always been the issue a little bit, just like holding back. So I think that that's why, so she could just save me a little bit for the more important and bigger races. And do you, do you feel like now you're a member of the club, you've got two teammates, Anna Camp and Courtney Wayman already had individual titles. And now you've got, it's pretty rare for a team to have three NCAA champions on the, on campus at the same time. But do you feel like you're a member of the club now? Yeah, it's very nice because we're actually like, we're all like best friends. So it's like, it just feels good. It feels right to just have all of us because we all work together at practice and we've all been there for each other through all of it and we all want it for each other. So it was really, it feels good to be part of it. And I don't know, for sure. What, what do you do now? Like, uh, do you have you are you working on a degree are you planning on staying in Provo or like where do you go from here are you turning pro what's your plans yeah so I actually graduated in April so I was doing post back this semester so I would be eligible to run so yeah I already got that done which is a relief but yeah we're very open-minded we're just filling out all of our options and just going to take some time to just make the right decision. So we're just very open-minded. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We don't know or else, yeah, I would give you an answer, but we don't, we don't know exactly. So I think the assumption is that most NCAA champions are going to keep running and go pro. Mm -hmm. It sounds like, I mean, you're doing a workout, so it seems like you want to keep running, but Mm -hmm. I do tell people, I'm like, no one forces you to keep running. Like it would be a good way just to go out on top and, but you know, LA, I mean, uh, not LA, Paris 2024 is not too far away. So do you think running is something you definitely want to do? It is like, I, I don't know because I've had such low lows as well. And I've had such high highs. I, I just feel like, I feel like I can do it. You know, like, I feel like I'm prepared to continue on and push past more. Cause I know it's a, it's a very hard sport, you know, like it takes a lot out of you and, I don't know. It's also the most fulfilling sport as well. So I don't feel finished. I feel like I have more and I would love to see what that is, but yeah, just staying open-minded for now and just really getting a good feel for all of our options. And what's your husband's situation? Is he graduated? Is he in school? Like, can he move if you guys want to relocate? Like, like, uh, you know, we're not, it's not just a one person decision here. It's unlike a lot of college grads. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, he's still in school, so he has like one more year. So we're just going to figure out how to maneuver that and wherever we go. Or Yeah, so we'll just do our best with what we got. And looking towards a pro career, where do you see yourself? 1,500, 5,000? I don't want to say 10,000. Uh, I've never done one of those. I'm, I can't say that I won't because – you got to do what you'd be the best at. So I honestly, my thing is, I just want to do what I'm the best at. So whatever that is, I will do it. I do love the 1500. That is a fun, fun race. It's like, which I can't say the exact same for the 5k. It's kind of rough, but it's also, I got mad respect for it. So it's, yeah, I don't know. Whatever I'm the best at, we'll see where that takes us. Yeah. Well, the 1500 is the glamour event, right? Like everyone wants to be a miler if you're a distance runner and then you eventually move up. But, you know, we've seen like, you know, 
we've seen women like this year, Josette Norris, she's had a lot of success in both events. So hearing you say whatever you're best at doesn't surprise me because I mean I was reading your BYU bio. I gotta find it here. Here it is. And it's crazy. I mean, you, you seems like you won everything in high school. You won four. So every year in cross country, you won for a state cross country title. That's four. You won three basketball state titles, two volleyball state titles, um, four track as well. You were, in addition, you were also first team all state in volleyball, first team all state, maybe basketball MVP in the state. So you're the best basketball, volleyball, cross country, and track player in the state of Utah. How in the hell is that possible? <laughs> I am not the best, but I, I do, I'm in a, a, a smaller division in Utah, so it's not quite as competitive. There's still some incredible athletes, just not as like as many, you know, it's like not as deep, but yeah, I had some great coaches. I had some incredible coaches. Pingwich, Pingwich knows how to get the coaches for sure. Um, I'm also just very competitive. I don't know. I just, I love sports. I love them so much. So. So Pink, Pink Utah looks like there's 1600 people. How, how big is the high school? How many people were in your class? Uh, my graduating class was 40, but there was 150 in our high school. So. So explain to me how you can play all four of those sports. Cause I grew up in Massachusetts. You can only do three of those. Are you overlapping at all? How do you do four sports at a time in in high school? So cross country and volleyball overlapped. So I would wake up at like 5.30 and do my run and do my workout. And then after school, I'd go to volleyball practice. And then I would just miss most cross country meets during the season because I had volleyball practice. Um, but I would make it to the big, um, bigger meets and maybe a few like in-season meets for cross country meets. So yeah, wild. <laughs> so not much of an adjustment really to what you're doing now at BYU. Yeah, true. And I also like I didn't enjoy cross country as much in high school as I do now. So I wasn't upset about missing them. I was like, this is great. I love like I'm happy to be a volleyball practice right now. But now I obviously love it. But it's a hard sport, you know? <laughs> oh, no, no doubt. But did you did you consider playing any of the other collegiately or was that an option to play any other sports collegiately? I basketball was my true love, honestly, growing up. That's what I like put all my time. I practiced every day all like a ton. I wanted to be like my older sister who was really good at basketball. But I got into running and I just had a lot more opportunity just like automatically with running. And I felt like I had a lot of potential. It was kind of a weird thing because of it's really a weird switch when I think back of it because I love, I loved basketball. Like it really was like my, it was like my joy, you know? So it's crazy how I just, how it just flipped. And I was like, this, I feel like this is what I need to do. Like, I feel like I have a lot of potential. So, and I did have like, I had some opportunities I could have done with basketball, but they weren't as like big or I wouldn't like have my school paid for really. Unless I like tried out later or somewhere bigger, but it's hard at small schools to get noticed in basketball because it's a smaller, there's not as much competition. So as like the big schools, so they don't necessarily look at you, even if you have like great stats or like tons of state championships, it's hard. It's really hard to get like D1 from a small school for basketball. So what, what position did you play and, and how many points per game did you score? <laughs> I'm embarrassed that I do know this still, <laughs> but, um, I was point guard 
And I think I'm not 100% sure, actually, on the points. Ballpark. Are we talking 10 a game, 15, 20, 25, 30? Um, I think it was around 15 or 16 average, something like that. And who's your game like? Who's, who's it compared to in the NBA or WNBA? Oh, man. Okay, I can't say who I would compare to, but I know who I really looked up to, like who I really loved. I love Derrick Rose in his prime. I thought he was incredible. I always bought his shoes for basketball season. <laughs> I had all of it, the Derrick Rose shoes, so he's just so good. Yeah, he, no, he was something special when he was with the, the Bulls. I'm curious, so you mentioned there was a switch from when you really sort of came to love cross country and focusing on that. Was there one particular moment that changed your mind from basketball to cross country? I can't think back on one particular moment exactly. Um, I did have, like, I had some, like, excitement with it, with running, because I would have people tell me, like, oh, you can go D1. Like, you can get your school paid for. Like, that's exciting, especially coming from, like, a smaller school where not a ton of people necessarily do that. It was pretty rare to get that opportunity. So that was very exciting for me. Um, but also like I spent so much time doing basketball and I, I did feel like I was almost like, I feel like it was time to close that chapter. I spent, we, we traveled, like we would travel like all, like all the time from like fourth grade all the way to, um, 12th grade in in high school. So it was a lot of basketball and I did, I did feel like that chapter was, was closed and I felt like running wasn't so. Yeah. Well, you you were able to combine them once in college, though, because you are you're still the world record holder, right, in the basketball mile. I haven't heard anything different, but I I think so. Yeah. And what was your time? Drib- one one mile, you dribbled in the basketball the whole time. What was the time? Um, it was four fifty eight at altitude. So that's a real testament to your athleticism and Diljeet Taylor's coaching, because I know. If Miles splits accurate, you're only you weren't that great in high school, right? Is this right? Two nineteen five oh five for sixteen hundred eleven flat for thirty two hundred, and now you can run four fifty six, uh, you know, with a basketball. <laughs> so pr- pretty amazing stuff. You obviously were an incredible athlete and good at sports growing up, you know. But when did you first get into running? Like, did, did, what was your first race? Or when? I, for me, it was a PE fitness test. I realized, wow, much better than these other kids. What was the first experience you had with running that got you into it? This is kind of funny. I've just always been so competitive, like my entire life. I've looked up to my sisters um, so much and they were always so competitive. Like they always just worked so hard. And it was, it was something like to my family, like that that's what we do. Like we work, we're competitive and we work hard. So anyway, um, at one of my older sisters, basketball games, actually all of them, um, we have this little, like above the bleachers, there's just like this flat spot where kind of like an extra gym up there a little bit me and a friend that was on my sister's team her little sister and I we were super young and we would just race back and forth the entire game like we would go marks that go every time and just go (laughs) so I loved I don't know I loved winning in that moment that's just what I thought of no one I've never told anyone else that actually before that was I, I if you're asking for the first thing that was probably like the youngest point where I'm like, where I just love to race, I guess. It's kind of weird. How old were you when you're doing that? My sister graduated in 06. So let me think. It's probably 
probably like six, seven-ish. Well, I think it's really cool because we always say running is the most elemental of sports. Like people just race to that tree or <laughs> yeah. try to run away from the lion that's coming after them. So, uh-huh. I mean, I've got a three-year-old at home and he loves to just race me for no reason. Just Yeah. So. That's how my nieces and nephews are too. They just will come up to me and I have to race them like all day. So it's kind of cute. Yeah. People ask me, do you want to be a track star? I'm like, well, maybe I, I'm going to give you, you as the, as the role model. I'm like, to be really good at the team sports and if you're talented at running, we can we can do that too. But mm-hmm. more fun to go to the basketball game, right? I know they're so fun. <laughs> One thing, all right. I'm interested about this. This is kind of unrelated to what we were just talking about. But this is the first year that NIL laws, you know, NIL deals for athletes have been allowed at the collegiate level, name, image, and likeness. So you guys can get paid now by sponsors uh, and. BYU is sort of notably that kind of on the forefront of this. There was a company, Smarty Streets. They're a location data intelligence company, and they offered endorsement contracts basically to all female BYU athletes. And I want to know, you know, how did you learn about this? Did you sign one with them? How much are they paying you if you feel comfortable with that? Like, can you tell me the details about this? I think so. I don't think it's like a secret. Um, um... Yeah, I signed it with them. I think that it would be kind of dumb not to, for sure, because it was a really great opportunity. So they gave $6,000 to every female BYU athlete. So it's pretty cool. And we just we post about we post about Smarty Streets, and yeah, that's pretty much it. We just kind of represent them a little bit. So do you have to do, like, are you part of any ad campaign or anything like that? Like, do they you know, how are they using, or is it just like social media word of mouth? You just have to post once a month. So whether like Twitter, Facebook, something like that, and just like put like a link of Smarty Streets on your post. And that's pretty much it. They've given us so much. Like they gave us some cool shoes, like Jordans. They gave all of us these matching Jordans. So we posted about those and yeah, it's really cool. Is that, did everyone on the team sign up for this then? Yeah. Be kind of dumb not to. Right? One tweet yeah. for six thousand dollars. God, I'd tweet almost yeah. anything for that price. Yeah. Do you get a bonus? Well, I guess they probably, they're not allowed to give you a bonus for winning NCAs, but no. Hopefully, they give you a retweet or something of your page. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just grateful for that. I'm like, holy cow, that's that's it's a really cool opportunity they gave us. So, well, it worked out for you because if you you know maybe if COVID didn't happen, they don't pass this law until the summer of 2021. You might have graduated already. You might not have eligibility left. So you got your one final season. You got paid. So that's oh, and now you you know you'll get paid now as a pro. But that's uh you know worked out kind of nice. I guess it's could have worked out better if you'd been enrolling in college now. You would have had four years or five years of it. But it's okay. I'm like I'm just I'm just grateful I get one. Honestly, like anyway, yeah, it's super awesome. Has it been stressful? I mean, sometimes when people are seniors, they're thinking about what's next and you know, the agents start calling and you start worrying about your shoe deal and where am I going to live and what am I going to do? What event who's going to coach me? Did you, were you worried about that? Were you talking to agents? Did anyone help you? Like maybe Jared Ward who's gone through the process or have you just put that all off until now? Yeah, I feel like I got to learn about it a little bit earlier because I, I was originally planning to be done after outdoor track last year but it just seemed like the the right move to just stay for one more season 
So I dealt with a lot of that stuff earlier. So I kind of had already got my feet wet of the whole situation. So yeah, it was a lot better to handle it this, this season. Cause I kind of knew already, I knew those things more, but it wasn't a lot in last track season. It was kind of a lot to, to handle, but. Yeah, no, I mean, I've talked to other coaches and athletes, well, coaches who've had their athletes say, you know, when it's their senior year and they know they're turning pro that I'm, I'm sure that probably was one of the things weighing on you at NCAAs, you know, people have got a lot of expectations about you. If you run really well, helps boost your value. If you don't, you know, brands might not be as interested in, it, in you. So I can totally understand that, but I'm curious, you said you were leaning towards, you know, just graduate turning pro after the spring. What made you change your mind to come back uh, and run cross country this fall? It was just the best. It was the best option for us. It just, yeah, it just felt right. Even though it was really hard. Cause I was, I felt like I was done. I really did. Um, and it took some time to just fully commit back to being, being here. Cause I was like, I, I really did feel like I was, I was done at BYU and I was ready for the next chapter. I really was, but, um, yeah, once I like recommitted to it and really took, I took very, I took advantage of the time that I had leading up to NCAAs. Like I felt, I felt like it was so right way before that still. Like it wasn't like, it was like right before NCAAs, I was like, okay, this is actually, yeah, this is right. <laughs> but um, there were a lot of things that happened that I, I was like, this, this seems like this was the right move. Like, like the Smarty Streets thing that wouldn't have happened. Um, just like the relationships with my team, I feel like grew so much this season and with coach Taylor and even just like overcoming it and like ending on a good note. That was like the ultimate, like, I hope that the um, value went up or the contract went up too, because now you're an NCAA champion. Yeah. I can't be mad about that. Right. <laughs> it's interesting. Cause Connor Mance uh, was in the same position as you. I think he was thinking the time pro, after the outdoor season and he decided to come back and then you guys both end up as individual champions. Are you guys close with the guys team? Do you hang out with them at all? We don't hang out a ton, but like we talk like Connor Mance is like the coolest guy. He'll just come up to us and talk to us while we're just like doing little workouts and we like, we'll keep in touch and I'm very like invested in his career. Like he probably doesn't know, like, but I'm like, seriously, he's incredible. He is something else, you know, so I am excited to see what he does. And it's cool to talk to him and like hear his perspective. And I don't know, I've learned a lot from just talking to him for sure. All right. So what do we not know about Connor Mance that you guys can, you can share with us? I don't know. What do you know about Connor Mance? I guess. Seems like a tough mother effer. I mean, yeah, <laughs> honestly, that's all it comes down to really. Well, not really. He's so much more than that. But that when I look at him, I'm like, that is, that's a gritty boy. Okay. I don't really know. I don't know how he does it. He looks like he's like in pain the entire time, but somehow he just keeps getting faster. I'm like, I, how do you do that? You know, <laughs> but yeah, we were wondering the same thing. Well, all right. So what do you think? We had this debate on our podcast episode from earlier this week. Should he just go to the marathon straight away? Or do you think he should spend some time on the track? Should he try and focus on cross country as a pro? If you were mapping out his pro career, what would you suggest for him? I'm the worst person to ask this question to. Cause I'm like, I don't know. I feel like just whatever he loves, like whatever he like 
enjoys the most because if he's not loving it, then he's probably not going to do his best, you know? But I feel like he loves it all. I feel like he's just like, I'm just here for it, you know? He's a runner for sure. I don't know. That wasn't a good answer for you. Oh, I thought it was a great answer. You got, if you don't love it, I mean, like Jonathan asked me the exact same question 30 minutes ago. And I was like, well, if I was him, I, I don't think he should wait to go to the marathon, but if he wants to do the track and that motivates him, then he should do the track. But I don't want to see him give up cross country because I know it's not as big of a thing on the pros, but he loves it. Why can't that be his thing? Just show up at USA cross country every year and just destroy everybody. I like know. Pat, like Pat Porter used to do. So, Yeah, he'll be incredible. I'm excited to see what he does. Well, I'm excited to see you break that 15-minute barrier. If it's not in this, if it's not next month, it needs to be soon. Congratulations on such a fantastic season, John. What else have we missed? I think we covered everything. You know, I appreciate, yeah, again, just making time for us, Whitney. And it was really, you know, it was really great to see you win the race on Saturday. We'll be watching to see how you do in Boston, and I'm sure you'll be popping up in some pro races in 2022 but yeah thanks again congratulations and uh best of luck in the future thanks a bunch guys thanks for having me and stay healthy (laughs) yes (laughs) remember the perfect gift for runners is the runnerbox.com it's a subscription service for as little as 28 dollars sends you 50 dollars worth of great running goods check it out let's run listeners can save 10 dollars off with a special link in the show notes We are now very happy to be joined by Connor Mance. He's the only man to win two NCAA cross-country titles in the same year. His second one came on Saturday, course record in Tallahassee, took down Wesley Kipp too, to go back-to-back. Connor, thank you so much for joining us. Congratulations on the title. How are you feeling right now? Feeling great. A little sore, but, you know, just still still enjoying that ended on a high note as far as the NCAA went. Yeah, definitely. Both you and Whitney ending your BYU careers as NCAA cross-country champion. It doesn't really get any better than that. No, it doesn't at all. The other thing that I I thought was interesting, speaking to both you and Whitney to set up these interviews, is she, we talked to her right after she did a workout and then we were texting, I was texting you to set this up and you said, I wasn't sure if I had a workout today or not. Do you not take any time off after winning NCAA cross? So... I'm not going to this time. I'm going to take some, well, okay. Short way to put this, I might be doing a race next weekend and then I might start my break, but I might not be doing the race. It it depends on a few things. If uh, pretty much, you know, if I get a contract in time or or just if, I don't know, we're trying to see how the legs feel because I, I really want to race because I'm really fit right now. But if not, I'll just take a break and, waited out and start racing again in January. What's the race? Late edition to the Valencia Marathon? What are you doing? Oh, I wish. I wish. Um, no, I, I might do the U.S. Half Marathon champs. Ooh. I, I, I thought about jumping in the Valencia Half because I was like, oh, man, like, you know, go out on a high. And that had been in my mind for like two weeks. But I was like, okay, like I need a – anytime I bring up anything to coach that's like post-national stuff, he's like, hey, look – Let's just focus on nationals and then we'll figure things out from there. Like don't get too excited about these other races and then go bomb nationals and then decide you're not going to do any races anyway. So he's just like, look, let's just focus on the moment, be present. And so it was like, okay. And then afterward I was like, Hey, what about this Valencia half marathon? He's like, look, like, I think that's going to be a lot of travel. I think, 
you know, for now it might be good to do the U S half marathon champs. And so I was like, okay, like that sounds great to me. Let's, uh, let's work on that. All right. Well, as a fan of the sport here, I hope you recover in time. I'd really like to see you run this race. Uh, because I, I don't know who, do you know who else is running? I know Clayton Young is, I know, uh, I'm pretty sure Chil- Sammy Chilanga is and Larry Lorraine. Clayton Young was just telling me a few people that that's about all he brought up in our workout yesterday. So, well, that's going to be a reunion. Lobby Lang, Sam Chalanga, former NCAA cross country champs. We got to get call up Galen Rupp and you know get all the Amer- all the champs over there. Yeah, the more people, the better. You know, just help us run fast. John, I got to jump in here. This is excellent. I love this. Someone needs to sign him. By when, it's December fifth. I'm now googling this. Yeah, the Mortgage Network Half Marathon in Hardyville, South Carolina. Is that Charleston? Where is it? I don't even know. This I, we may have to get down there, John. Or maybe we can sign our first athlete. Clayton, we'll sign you a contract for one weekend. You can run it. Oh, okay. Connor, this is Connor, not Clayton. Come on. Oh, Clayton. My God, what did I say, Clayton? Sorry, yeah. Connor. I'm so excited. Clayton's already got contracts. Or the Valencia guy, Connor. If you don't know, he's a billionaire. The guy he puts on the race. Maybe he can just sign you for the weekend as well. He should yeah. be your first option. You know, I'm not sure what your major is, but even if it's not math centered. <laughs> Anyone can figure that one out. It's mechanical engineering, so it's close enough. <laughs> so, yeah. Billionaire instead of Let's Run signing you. Well, this is interesting. Well, then, because earlier on our regular podcast this week, I think we were talking about the American half marathon record. And I don't, I don't want to start this whole hype machine here and say, like, oh, you know, you're you going to break it. But we were also saying it's 5943. It's stood t- since 2007. It's kind of wild that in the age of super shoes, it hasn't, it's lasted that long. And maybe that's just due to how good Ryan Hall was, but like, what do you, if you run this race, do you have a time you're trying to hit? Yeah. So I, I was talking to coach about this yesterday because it's also a qualifier for the world half champs. And it was like, okay, like do, is that the focus or is it just getting a fast time? And I mean, that, that was the whole reason I was wanting to do Valencia. Cause just in my mind, I was like, okay, like you said, super shoes weren't a thing when Ryan Hall was running given he was really good too. I think the half marathon might be just how my training has been going and everything that might be my best distance, like as of right now. And so I was, I was thinking about it and I was like, man, if I go to Valencia, like why not just go for, it? I think it might be the easiest American record to break right now with super shoes being a thing. I mean, maybe, maybe I don't want to discredit Ryan Hall at all. He was, I mean the man, but now that there's, super shoes everyone's dropping so much time in every event in my mind it seemed like oh this this would be a lot of fun to go after this um before anybody else that or i mean i know frank lara went after it and had a had a great run but i think i don't know i got excited about it but then uh, then coach was like okay like remember you peaked for ncaa's like it's a lot of travel two and or not two like three there's just I don't know, a lot of things that we haven't done maybe specific to the half marathon um, and the longer races. So I was like, okay, maybe maybe I'll wait this one out and then, you know, continue that to, that to be a goal of mine eventually, but maybe not this year. Oh, this would be epic. And no offense to Frank Laura, but like when he said he was trying to break the American record, I was like, no, like Frank Laura doesn't break American records. But it shows people are, th- are starting to see this record as soft, which is crazy because 
when Ryan said it, it was one of those stunning runs because back yeah. then 59.43 was pretty good. But like you say, the world record's two minutes faster now. It's crazy. Yeah, and like after seeing um, uh, what is it, Kiplima break the world record? I mean, that's I can't even remember. It was fifty-seven, like thirty or something like that. I don't know the exact numbers, but it's it's two minutes faster, and I don't think. Um, the American record should be that much slower than that. And so that gave me a little bit of confidence. Like, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm, my eyes are too big. They're bigger than how fast I can run, but it's just, I don't know. I think, I think Frank Lara going after it was also kind of an inspiration because it's like, yeah, this guy, he's not, he's not wilting by any means. He's, he's excited to go after something big and he's, he has big eyes as well. So it was kind of, I don't know, cool to see that he went after it at least. And I don't know what he ran like 101 or 60 minutes and 59 seconds or something. So this is great. Before the podcast, I was reading a profile on you. I think it's from the Desiree news. I was talking about your start and running and I was going to ask you about, Hey, do you have any half marathons or marathons soon in the future? But it says, on May 15th, 2010, at the age of 13, he placed third overall in the Ogden Half Marathon with a prodigious time of 119.17. Now, World Athletics shows no half marathon PR for you. Is that yeah. still your half marathon PR? What's your half marathon PR? No, so I actually did a, f- a few more b- before I entered high school and then my freshman year of high school. And then and I, I think I got it down to like 111 or something like my freshman year. And then um, I jumped in a downhill half. I, I was trying to, I don't know, I just, in the summer, I, I had, like, no no real, like, reason to do it. But I just decided to do it because some of my friends were going and running the Desert News races. So I jumped in a half marathon up there and went, like, I was trying, I decided to pace some people. And then because I couldn't accept the prize money, I was, like, I'll let the other guys go ahead of me. I'll take like third. Maybe I can write off the the little bit of prize money that came with third. So I helped pace one of my friends who ran at Weber State. His name's Jordan Cross. And I think I was like 62, like 59, and he ran like 62.50. But it's it's screaming downhill. So that's my PR. But like I want to get something flat where I can like go all out and see what's what, I don't know, what I can run. All right. Well, that, that's super exciting. And that you said, is it dependent on like, if you sign before then, like, where are you in terms of, have you picked an agent yet? Do you have an idea of, you know, what, where are your negotiations with shoe companies? Where does that stuff stand? Yeah. So I, I have an agent and he's, he's talking to shoe companies. He, he thinks it's likely we'll get something before then. It's just, he's, he's just talking to a few shoe companies, making sure that, you know, whichever one, I go with is the best fit for me. Not just like, uh, not just like the best bidder, but like, you know, the one that, that fits me really well. And so he's going and he's doing that. I'm with, uh, Ray Flynn and he, I, I don't know. I trust him. I think he's doing a good job. So I just have to be patient because after nationals, I was like, all right. Like it, I was like thinking it was going to be a really quick process, like a day or two. And then I was like, Oh wait, no, this is at least going to take like a week. And so I was like, just having to, I don't know, let the process take care of itself, let the agent do his thing, and yeah, just kind of wait it out. Is I don't know. These last few days have been like they've seemed really long because I haven't had as much schoolwork, and then it's been like this is what's on my mind. But um, that'll be a big part of you know 
if I run it, if I don't run it, or maybe I just run it anyway and just see what I can do. And then, then and just enjoy racing again before I take my break. Yeah. I'm, I mean, American record might drive the price up of, the, of that first contract. <laughs> right. Right. That's a good point. See, Johnny's thinking he can break it because he's thinking, I don't want to break the record and not get the bonus for and it. Not right? have whatever the bonus is. But if he breaks it, yeah. it might it works either way though. If you break it without a con without a sponsor, then they're gonna like, oh my god, they'll have to pay even more. Then there's also the the thing, and this is what Coach Iceton was saying. He's like, look, like you're you're coming off NCAAs. If you go out and you and you get you get worked because you're exhausted, you still haven't recovered, he's like, then then sponsors are gonna be like, oh, maybe, maybe these uh He's just a cross country guy, you know, with with a few fast track times, but maybe cross country is his best thing. So, no, we're gonna hype you up beforehand enough. No matter what, you now have to go on pace. You got to go on the pace. Oh, then yeah. you blow up. Nobody will care. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, well, I'm excited, John. I don't. I don't know what because John was gonna lead this podcast. What you really wanted to talk about? But no, this is great. This, this just is... gets me excited. Yeah. And no, we, you know that's the great thing about the sport. Well then, I guess I was going to get to this eventually. You might as well bring it up now, Connor. So, on the message boards, you have some haters. They there are some BYU haters out there. They think that like people who are you know you're like 24, you turn 25 next month, and they say they don't like that BYU has some athletes who are a little older than your average athlete because of these missions. Are you aware of these? Do you care what they say about you? Oh uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm totally aware of it. I, I really don't mind. There was part of me that was like, um, the because Clayson Shumway is a good friend of mine. He he reads the boards and he's just like always telling me like there's a bunch of people that hate on BYU all the time, and he he'll always like laugh at some of the things because a lot of them are people just being ridiculous. But then I, I was talking to him. I'm like, yeah, maybe I could just come back for you know that sixth year just out of spite and just. Just get a lot of people riled up because, like, it's it's in the rules. I can come back again. Like, I still have eligibility, but then it's just like, no, that's not really what I want to do. Like, I gotta, I gotta go out and do what I want to race and not not worry about spying anyone for um, something mean they said online. I think that would be ridiculous. But it was kind of a funny thought I had. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, if you look at this year's field, there are a lot of like sixty. seniors in there because of the COVID eligibility. So I don't know what I'm curious though. Like, do you view being older? Like, do you view that as an advantage or a disadvantage? I mean, and why? Honestly, I, I, I don't know if I really think about it that much. Um, when you're out competing, like then like the NCAA is just so deep. There's so many good athletes. I think maturity wise, yeah, I think there's a big advantage there as far as like the mental maturity of, you know, I'm not like getting excited to, I think a lot of freshmen get excited to go out and party and hang out with people. And that's why, you know, half of the really good high schoolers don't turn out well. But I think, I don't know, I don't think too much about if it's an advantage or not. I just go out and compete. I think anybody can take two years off and, you know, find some way they can come back older, but nobody really wants to do that. Um, like if it wasn't for religious reasons, I would have, I would have thought it would be ridiculous to wait for two years to try and be better in the NCAA. But I mean, I, I went out there and, you know, on the mission, it was really tough to be, 
to be focused as a missionary and, and just completely leave running in the, in the, in the background. And like, I don't know when I, when I think about like myself and how far I've come, I really don't think too much about whether it's an advantage or not. I mean, I, I gained 30 pounds in my first eight months and I, I didn't have a lot to gain or I didn't, I was pretty light in the first place. So like gaining that was, was kind of weird. Cause it was like the first time I'd ever actually put on weight and like, I mean, coming back from a mission was really tough because it was like trying to get back in shape and running like, I don't know, Coach Eistan starts us off really slow because he knows what it's like, but it was like, it was like a 15 minute run was like, that was, that was my run. That was my workout for the day when I first got back. And it was just weird because it was like, man, 15 minutes, like that's nothing. Like I remember in high school, I could go up for like eight mile runs, but now I'm getting you know, two miles in and that's, that's my hard workout for the day. And so I think that, you know, I don't, I, I think there's the big, it's, uh, how do I say it? There's a lot of big disadvantages. There's a lot of advantages that people perceive. And I think when you take it all collectively, and now I'm just saying all my thoughts, they're coming, but I think if you take it all collectively, it's not really an advantage or a disadvantage. You just go out there and race and, that's all you need to worry about. So you think if you didn't take these those two years off, you know, you served a two-year mission in Ghana from 2015 to 2017, do you think you'd be at this level right now, you know, if you had just started in college and then you were running in your fifth year? Yeah, yeah. If, if I was running in my fifth year, I think, I think I'd be at this level. I think I'd be running about just as fast, I think. Yeah, I think I would have been doing just as well. I... I I believe that like in high school, I was going to be this really good runner. And, you know, in college, I, I believe that was going to be multiple time in CWA champ. And I know that's, you know, sounded maybe it, I don't think I understood how hard it was going to be to be that good. But like, yeah, in high school, if, if I didn't serve a mission, I think I would have expected myself to be an NCAA champ a few times over. I mean, guys I was running with in high school were, ran really well their freshman year. And then I don't know, nothing on my, not trying to bag on my high school coach at all, but he didn't, he didn't know what he was doing per se, I think. And I don't think I knew what I was doing. And so, um, I mean, he knew what he was doing for a good group. We, we weren't a stellar team by any means, but I don't know. I think if I would have known, like, don't double, like I was doing when I would double, I would do a run at three o'clock and then I run at like five or six o'clock while in the PM, like, so I, would, I would do stuff like that that are that are that's stupid. I would work out. I would do four workouts a week, and that were all like strength workouts because that's what I knew, or that's what I thought was the best thing. Um, off season stuff, I was working out super hard, and then I'd peter out during the season. And so I think, you know, had I just gone straight to college, I would have learned all this like I don't know really quickly, and I would have had that shape that I would have had, you know, the same shape I was in in high school, and I think I would have just done really well coming here to BYU straight out. One of the things that's really impressive, not just winning two NCAA cross-country titles, but you don't really have bad races in cross-country. You've run NCAA cross four times. Your worst finish is 10th, and that was your first time as a freshman. And you led a lot of that race as well. Like, how are you so consistent at this meet? That That is even a novelty to me to be as consistent as I've been. Um I don't know. I think I just go out there and I try to just kind of do the same thing. I think 
having good teammates has been a big, a big push for me ever. But I, I think they've been really good at getting me to get consistently good workouts. I think consistent good sleep has been a good thing. But I also think, you know, seeing my teammates succeed my, my freshman year and then the redshirt year I had really gave me a lot of confidence that, you know what, like I can, you know, if I keep doing what I'm, what I'm doing, I'm going to be successful. I was really, I'm really surprised that a lot of my teammates at that time were so were inconsistent at national meets between like the regular season meets, because I would always think the regular season meets were, were more difficult. And then we get to these, these national meets and it would just be like, all right, this is just fun. Whether I'm, you know, whether I'm in the top 10 or whether I'm in like the next 20, like this is, this is the time to have fun. And so it was always a surprise when I like, I mean, my freshman year, we'll use that as an example. I took 10th, but like that season, I thought I was the fifth man on the team pretty much the whole season, even though I'd be like second or third on our team in races it was like in workouts and in everything. I was like, yeah, like I'm working my tail off. These guys have better PRs on the track than me. I put myself as our fifth man, sixth man, maybe depending on where Clayson Shumway and I finished. Cause we're, we're running neck and neck and everything earlier that year. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't know how I've been consistent. I don't know if it's just consistent miles, consistent workouts and consistent sleep, but, um, I don't know, something I've kind of prided myself in as it's as time's gone on. Oh, it's really hard. I mean, you're a part of a very select group that's finished in the top 10 four times. You know, some of the other guys in that category are, are legends. You're a legend yourself now in the NCAA cross-country ranks. So have you gone back and watched the race? Like, do you did you re- record it or anything? Have you watched a replay at all? Yeah, yeah, um, probably too many times, I should say. I think it's because every uh, race this season, I've wanted to go back and watch just to see like what I did well and what I didn't do well. And then most of those races weren't broadcast or filmed. So this was the only one I could like go back and watch it. But yeah, I, I went, I'm pretty sure I watched like it at least once a day since the race. So probably a little bit too, uh, too excited about this one as far as it comes with watching the race. I probably should have just enjoyed enjoy the moment and then not go back and rewatch it and try to relive it or else I'll get in the bad habit of reliving my, uh, my glory days, you know, however long down the road. I don't know. I wouldn't blame you. If I won NCAA cross, I've watched that thing every day for like a month. That would be, you know, amazing. So I, I don't blame you at all, but I'm, I'm interested. Did you notice anything from watching it back that you didn't, that didn't occur to you at the time? Yeah, there was one thing. That I, that I noticed was just kind of right after that first mile or about in the first mile that um, like I, I had taken the lead and tried to keep it pretty quick. And then, and, and this happened a few times where like we'd started to spread out quite a bit and then either me or somebody else had like slowed it down. And I thought we were going pretty consistent for, for the majority of the race. I didn't realize that there's so many guys were having the accordion effect happen in the race. And I, I did notice it a few times in the race. I noticed it at 3K with um, Kyoko took a really hard move at the top of the first hill. And then he slowed it down. And then all of a sudden, like, everybody came came into the lead. But I don't know. I think, yeah, another thing maybe was that I um, with, like, less than a mile to go, I thought Morgan Beatles, Combe, and the pack he was running with were all with us. 
because I heard Morgan get cheered on probably like 50 times within like 400 meters. I thought, oh, this guy's right with me. Like, dang it, he has a really good kick. Like, I don't want him near me. But yeah, um, another thing, uh, Cooper Tier falling off and I didn't notice, like I noticed in the race that he was with me, but then I didn't realize that he like struggled that much. That was a big surprise because I mean, we, we started and he was, he was right next to me for a little bit, about 1200 into the race. And I was like, man, like, I forget how good Cooper Tier is. Like he's one of the guys I, I like, when I think about like the big competition, I was thinking of Wesley and uh, Adrian Vildescoot and, I was like, those guys are those guys are gonna be tough to beat. And then I like look over and I like twelve hundred into the race and I see Cooper there. I'm like, oh crap, like this guy's good. This guy's really good. It was just like if he's starting out well, like like with how fast we're starting, he's not gonna run conservative. He's gonna go and and if he's with the with the group at the top of the hill, like I, I can kiss uh kiss this NCAA championship goodbye and and they run for second or third or fourth or whatever. So, well, that's one of the great things about NCAA cross, right? Is you just throw all the best runners in the NCAA into one big field. I mean, that's why it's such a hard race to win. Right. I wasn't in Tallahassee, so I'm not sure where the hill was, but at some point, you know, on that sort of final stretch, Kyoko comes ahead of you. Can you kind of talk us through that moment? Is, is that at the top of the hill? Like, what are you thinking there? Because watching on TV, I'm like, oh my gosh, I think Connor's going to get beat. Yeah. So there are a few. So Kyoko made a lot of moves in that race, which is really interesting. So kind of a precursor. Every time we got to the top of the hill, he moved. And you run that hill four times in the race. And then the last time at the top of the hill is about 500 to 600 meters out from the finish line. And so every time he, he would get to the top of the hill, he'd make a big push and then he would, he would slow down a lot. And so I thought, okay, like that's something to be cautious of. He's probably going to make a big push at the last lap on the, on the top of the hill. And we get to one, one K to go and he flies by, um, he flies by me, Vildescu and Kip, Wesley Kip too. And we were just like, like we all, I mean, me and uh, Wesley responded pretty well. And then I ended up passing him because he slowed down a bit. And then we get to the top of the hill and I can hear somebody just flying by me. And I'm like, oh crap, like Wesley's feeling good. And it was Kyoko and he get we get to the top of the hill and it feels like an all out sprint all of a sudden. So this is that 500, 600 to go when he made this, made this move. And I was like, oh crap, like he's he's flying and i was like if i go with him i'll at least beat wesley like if i can go with him and like i'll at least be in the race and then i think i can like i think wesley's not going to be there and then he went 200 meters and i was just all out sprinting trying to go with him and then uh then he he looks back at me like three times because i can and i could tell he's nervous that i'm with him and then he slows down just a little bit. And that's when I was like, okay, like I have to go now. It doesn't matter how I'm feeling. And I went, went by him and I just tried to make a hard surge. And then like last hundred meters, um, I kept looking back. So I was like, okay, like, is this, this good? Am I good? Like, and then I just, 
I tried to enjoy the last hundred meters a little bit and just, you know, smile and run hard and, but not like kill myself to the line because I didn't want to, I don't know. I was tired. I should say if, if I, if I didn't have to kill myself that last hundred, I wasn't going to. And so yeah, that, that's how the last five, 600 played out in my mind or last thousand, I should say. It was very impressive because people love the front runner and you always seem to be grinding away. It just seems like a hard way to run to win races. Yeah, it, it is. But I think it's a lot more enjoyable personally. And I think what's, what's benefited me is there's other front runners in the NCAA right now. And so it's like, if like, I think we all work off each other. I think me and Kipto and um, Bill and Scoot really work off each other because anytime the pace slows in any of our races, one of the other person takes the lead and starts pushing the pace. And so instead of it being like, oh, people can sit and kick, it's like, if you're going to try and sit on this pack, like somebody else is going to be, it's not like you're going off how good the front guy is feeling. You're going off how good everybody around you is feeling. And at any given moment, the pace can speed up. And so like it really um, spreads the field out a lot. And I think it makes races more exciting. There was this quote from the Desiree News profile on you, and it says, it's from you. People underestimate how much pain the body can tolerate. I remember somebody telling me once, and I remember this a lot, that you get to the point where no matter how much pain you are in at that moment, you know it's temporary, and the chances of dying from it is none. It doesn't matter if I'm in pain at that moment. It's the competition. I'm more concerned about beating the guy ahead of me. Is that how you view it? Are you in that much pain? I never thought about dying during a race. But. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm in a lot of pain sometimes, but, I, but the idea of you know, that pain being temporary, maybe, maybe I didn't word it the best way, but it's like, yeah, in the race, I'm, I'm not thinking about dying. I'm not thinking about, oh, I, I can't do this. It's just like, yeah, you know, this, this is, thir- this is like at most 30 minutes of being in a lot of pain. And that's about it. Like I can do that. Like, you know, if you go in with that mentality of, yeah, like worst case scenario, this just really hurts. And like that's that's about it and I, and so instead of like i used to feel like i was always trying to avoid painful races but then um yeah it was my my friend who i who, one of my friends who i grew up with his dad had mentioned that and he's just like look like um you can run really hard this whole time and you're not gonna die like so why why be scared of the pain like you you train for this you train for it to be hard and so I think a lot of people, they just kind of shy away when, when the races get tough that they're like, Oh, like I got to slow down because you know, what if they're like, Oh, what if it just gets really hard later on? But instead I, I kind of embrace that or I try to, I it's, it's worked out recently, I should say. So we're going with that. That's what it looks like watching you. It looks like you're in pain pretty much the whole time. Like when you're, sort of grimacing early in a race are you hurting then as well i i am but i, I think it looks a lot worse than it is i i remember uh, a few races back i did a i did a 5k in st george utah and somebody in the race was like yeah i heard you breathing and i was like oh this guy's done he and then they're like they're just like even my my breathing apparently um makes me sound like I, i'm i'm not doing too hot but i think you know, I look, it looks worse than it is, but I am in, I don't know, I'm in some pain. There's some muscle soreness coming in quickly and some exhaustion and fatigue. So that's how it goes. 
so this was your last race for BYU. What are you going to miss most about, you know, being on the team? Is it, do you guys have any pranks or, you know, things you get up to that you're going to miss? Yeah. I mean, pranks have kind of died down since uh, Clayson Shumway left the team, but there's a lot of fun things that we do. Like, I mean, a lot of just hanging out with the guys, going on runs together, but also just, I don't know, we have, there's a club on the team called the Sandwich Smashing Club. And there's, there's like ways to protect um, your sandwich, but if you're in the club and somebody else is in the club and if their sandwich is left on a table or anywhere uncovered, um, you can take your fist and you can smash it. And it, it, it's, it's juvenile and it, it's stupid, but like stuff like that, like the little things of just hanging out with a bunch of guys who are, I don't know, college dudes who who are immature and always just looking for a fun time that's that's something i'm going to miss yeah wait i want to hear you said the pranks died down but what were they like at the height what were the best pranks that were pulled on the byu team um oh man the probably the one i thought that was the funniest was this this happened my freshman year um so, so i think it was clayson had gotten a got like a rotisserie chicken from somewhere like i think he, it was like somebody was giving out a rotisserie chicken and he got it and he put it in somebody's locker. And so it just like smelled like a rotisserie chicken when we come back for our run and like, like what the heck? Like anyway, after that, like they were going to conference that weekend and Casey Klinger took the rotisserie chicken when Shumway wasn't looking and put it in his bag. And so Shumway <laughs> had his like, he, they flew to, uh, California, and he opens his bag in the hotel room, and the rotisserie chicken's just in his bag, and it's been there for like probably good eight hours or even more, and it's just like everything smells like chicken, and that's one I thought was pretty funny. One other one that was pretty funny is somebody, there was like a cattle guard, like a gate, or not a cattle guard, a gate, and there's big holes in between there, and <laughs> one of the guys on the team had like peed on the cattle guard or not the cattle guard, the gate and then bet somebody else they couldn't fit through it and so the other guy goes and touches it to fit through and then he's like it's like why is it what and he's just like uh those are probably two of the the funniest pranks i've i've heard on the team or at least the ones i've seen happen since i've been here nice that's uh, that's that's pretty funny and I also, I hear that uh, you, you're quite the guitar player as well, that you, Ed, and uh, Casey Klinger will occasionally treat the team to some uh, to some songs. Is this true? Yeah, more, more so that we all just like to play together. Not, not like we like to perform for the whole team, but on occasion, we'll just all get together and just play. What do you like to jam to? Like, what do you have a go-to song? I like to do a lot of jazz music, so... I don't know like half the songs when I, I was in high school, I took guitar lessons and I just learned a ton of stuff, but like either a simple, like honestly, a simple like 12 bar blues. If it's just like Casey and I or coach and I, it's just kind of relaxing and fun to play. It's nothing like too fancy, but it's just kind of, I don't know. It's enjoyable. Nice way to relax, especially before like a race or a hard workout or something. If um, we're at camp because then Kate coach will bring his guitar and I'll bring a guitar and yeah, not nothing particular. I'm not that like spectacular at it, but it's a lot of fun for me to just, 
have something other than running in school go on. Do you guys play in Tallahassee before NCAAs? We didn't. We we flew out a little later. The women like flew out on Wednesday. We didn't fly out till Thursday. And because we were coming back Sunday and we knew Saturday was going to be so busy, it was kind of like, uh, you know, I don't really want to bring our guitars if they're like going to have to go through all that travel just to have part of Friday to play. So we didn't bring it that, that time. All right. Well, I think we're, you know, should wrap this up here. The last thing I wanted to ask before I let you go in terms of a pro, you know, setup do you, do you imagine you're going to be staying in Provo or would you move somewhere else like what what are you thinking right now so I'm open to both honestly and that's I think that's kind of made things a lot more um that made, has made things like take a lot of, a little more time because it's like if I was for sure doing one I'd go here if I was for sure doing another I'd go here or maybe I'd go somewhere else I don't know but like I, I think it's just trying to figure out what's what's best still but i'm open to to leaving provo but i'm also open to staying i really like training under coach Eyestone. i think there's a good setup here for for guys who are right out of college even if it's just like jared ward and clayton young and then the byu guys but i think it's a it's a good setup and i don't know if there's a better like marathon specific setup out there right now but then there's also the you know the idea of, or like the point of there's a lot of really good training partners out there who aren't here that I think I could have. And um, I don't know, Jared and Clayton are both kind of focusing on the roads and I want to make it, I still want to do some big stuff on the track. And so kind of the, I don't know, trying to figure out what's, what's going to be best. And then, then once all the, uh, all the shoe companies have their offers out, then I can kind of figure out where, where I'm going to go from there. You said you want to do big stuff on the track. Maybe like in your mind, talk us through, I mean, everything's so focused on the Olympics. We just said Olympics in your mind. Can you talk us through like 2024? What, what do, where do you see yourself then? Um, by that time, I think I'll be, I'll be back on the marathon. I'll be back, not back. I'll be on the marathon grind and, and hoping to make that team in the marathon. But if I run really well on the track this year, then maybe I'll, I don't know. Luckily, the, mar- the marathon trials are going to be a lot earlier, so I'll probably run those and then maybe run the 10K trials too, but I don't know. Some of it is just seems so far in the future that it's just like, all right, for this next six months, I'll be, or, excuse me, seven, eight months, be trying to make the world championship team in the 10K and the 5K, and then after that, look to do a fall marathon, and then from then on, it's just going to be, I'll figure the rest out like year by year, I guess. All right. Well, Conamance, thanks so much for joining us. Congratulations again on uh, an incredible race in Tallahassee. And we both look forward to seeing what you're going to be doing as a professional. Um, definitely excited for that. All right. Thank you guys. Thanks for listening. You want a bonus podcast every week, exclusive content, 20% savings and running shoes right now. Join the Let's Run.com Supporters Club. Black Friday special, 25% off. Use code CLUB25, link in the show notes. And you got to try the runnerbox.com or get this gift for another running friend of yours. Great subscription service for as little as 28 bucks. You get $50 worth of goods every other month delivered to your door. Check it out, runnerbox.com. Link in the show notes for $10 off.